0: You are listening to the Sermon Podcast from Bethel Covenant Church. We're an evangelical church located outside Ellsworth, Wisconsin. And in order to love our neighbors during the COVID-19 pandemic, we are currently not gathering in person, but you can join us live online on our Facebook page at facebook.com slash Bethel Covenant Church. We have a live stream every Sunday morning at 10 a.m. Thanks for listening. We've been talking about what it means uh, to be people of hope, Um, people that, uh, you know, now more than ever, I believe uh, our call as people that believe uh, in the resurrection. Our call now more than ever is to be people of hope and not fear, Um, because uh, as we find all the systems that we've put our our faith in uh, during this time, whether it's uh, um, you know, our jobs or entertainment or, or politicians or the economy or all the stuff that we've put our trust in as a Culture as a nation as a world. It's just shaking You know, we've talked about this It's it's like a just a, a massive slow-motion Car crash and all the stuff that we thought we could trust all the stuff that we thought we could count on is is shaking as our society pauses and and people are starting to kind of get frustrated with each other a little bit and add each other a little bit um, I think a lot of us most people, I think, are looking for um, who's not shaken completely. Not that we have to be dishonest about how hard it is, but, but I think um, our world is hungry for people whose foundation hasn't completely crumbled in this. Um, and I believe as the church that we have a, a foundation that is firm, uh, it's solid, It's more solid than all of those other things because we put our hope in something that outlasts viruses. Uh, We put our hope in something that outlasts debates. We put our hope in something that outlasts every single kind of crisis. Uh, We put our hope in in something that outlasts our jobs, or our economy, or our nation, or our politicians. Uh, We believe that our hope is set in something that outlasts empires, and that outlasts the whole world, And so the question is, if we put our hope in Christ and we really believe that that foundation uh, lasts longer than anything we could possibly be going through, uh, the question is, how do we live that hope out? How do we share it with other people? Um, And so we've been talking about five ways uh, to carry hope in hopeless times. And whether, uh, whether you feel hopeless right now, or there are people in your lives that are, are getting kind of wrecked by fear, or or acting in, in hopeless ways too. Where, wherever you're at, whether you're discouraged or encouraged, or or angry or or tired of this, um, we've been talking about what it means to to have hope in the middle of that, because this is not forever. Just like nothing is forever, the only thing that is forever is the hope that we have. And so our our scripture today is about this. Um, a weird vision uh, uh, you, you'll see Molly's gonna read it for us it's in Matthew chapter 10 and we're gonna look at uh, a lot of Matthew chapter 10 so you can turn in your Bibles uh, there now um, but but we're gonna start in verses 9 through 16 because in uh, 9 through 16 we have the recording and and uh, Molly's gonna read it of um, this this weird vision that one of Jesus closest disciples has and and it seems odd to us, but God uses this encounter, this vision, to change how Peter, and then the whole church after that, uh, thinks about Jesus, what his death and resurrection means, and who it matters for. Um, it's it's incredibly important, and I think it's it's super super valuable. So, uh, and it begins uh, with God uh, giving a command to His people that I is one of my favorite commands in all of scripture he commands peter uh, to eat and if you've known me very long you know i love to eat so this is one of my favorite passages of scripture let's let's take a listen i will be reading from acts 10 9 through 18 peter visits Cornelius. the next day as Cornelius's messages messengers were nearing the town peter went up on the flat roof to pray it was about noon and he was hungry but while the meal was being prepared he fell into a trance He saw the sky open, and something like a large sheet was led down by its four corners. In the sheet were all sorts of animals, reptiles, and birds. Then a voice said to him, Get up, Peter, kill and eat them. No, Lord, Peter declared, I have never eaten anything that our Jewish laws have declared impure and unclean. But the voice spoke again, Do not call something unclean if God has made it clean. The same vision was repeated three times, and the sheet was suddenly pulled up to heaven. Peter was very perplexed. What could the vision mean? Just then, the men sent by Cornelius found Simon's house. Standing outside the gate, they asked if the man named Simon Peter was staying there. Thank you, Molly. Have you ever, um, you know, you like uh, get home. This speaks to, to my privilege. You know, you get home, you know, from work or whatever. And, you know, or for me when I was a kid, like home from school. And, you know, dinner's being made. You know, that's Peter. He knows dinner's being made. But you're just so hungry that you just start eating like whatever's around um that's how i imagine peter you know he's up on the roof he's praying he can smell the food being made down below and and he's just hungry right um and and he has this this vision like molly talked about where god lowers down this sheet uh full of animals and god's like go for it uh kill and eat he says um and and this is a weird a weird story right this is a weird part of part of scripture Uh, God gives Peter a vision, um, and, and it's animals and it's, and it's, and it's eat, it's eat the animals. But, but here's, here's what's going on here. Uh, just really quick. If you know the story of, of scripture, uh, God chooses a people and he wants to use those people uh, as his special chosen people to have a relationship with him. And, and in uh, Jesus' day, uh, they were down to just one group of that people called the tribe of Judah. Uh, that's why we call them uh, Jews in the New Testament. And so the idea of the Old Testament, the whole Old Testament, is about this special chosen people that God picked. And he wants to keep them separate from the rest of the world that's totally messed up. And one of the ways he does this is by limiting their associations with each other, with, with the other kinds of people, the Gentiles. So there's the Jews, God's chosen people, and everybody else, uh, the Gentiles. And if you don't have Jewish uh, ancestry, uh, you're a Gentile, just, just like me. Um, and so one of the best ways that God keeps, tries to keep his people separate is by giving them uh, a really intense list of dietary requirements. Um, you know, it's just like when you have Thanksgiving and one of your kids, um, comes home and is, is, a, a vegan or gluten, gluten intolerant or whatever. And you guys are like, okay, how can we change the meal so that they're welcome at the table? Uh, it's sort of the opposite of that. It's like, okay, uh, this is how I want you to eat. God says, and this is going to keep you from, from sharing a table, from sharing meals with people that don't know, don't know God. And so the old Testament is all about, uh, god's chosen people trying god's trying to keep them separate from all the other messed up people in the world who are causing all kinds of problems and the old testament shows what happens when they fail to do that um but when jesus came right he did he did something new and if you've been reading through uh the new testament if you've been reading the beef with us uh it was all these stories of jesus eating with people he wasn't supposed to eat with right uh tax collectors and sinners, and, and his uh, religious contemporaries are getting really mad. They're like, Jesus, you're sharing a table with, with the wrong people. Uh, but one thing Jesus uh, never seems to do in the Gospels is share a table with Gentiles. It's always with Jewish people. It's always abiding by uh, their strict dietary requirements. And so one of the questions uh, that that raises in the Gospels and that comes up in the book of Acts is this. Who is, who is Jesus for? You know, because he ate with the wrong people, but he still uh, came uh, for God's chosen people, the Jews. And so in Acts, uh, everybody's wrestling with, with this question. What is it? Does Jesus have anything to offer people who aren't chosen? People who aren't Jewish? Did Jesus die for the Jews to save them? Or is it more than that? Is the good news about Jesus good news for just the special Jewish people that keep their dietary requirements and stay separate chosen by God or is it good news for the whole world who who is Jesus for and so you know when Jesus walked the earth in the gospels he, he broadens that that circle right he reaches out to people that even Jews Jewish people that people thought were were too far gone um, uh, but in Acts um, the question is what about what about Gentiles what about people that weren't Chosen by God. What about people that don't follow uh, God's laws in the Old Testament about how they how they should eat? Um, and so this story, uh, Peter on the Rooftop, is, is all about uh, that question. Uh, and the chapter starts, if you look at, <clears throat> excuse me, uh, chapter 10 of uh, verse 1, it starts with a man named Cornelius. Uh, now, Cornelius is a Gentile, and not only is he a Gentile, he's a Roman centurion. And we've talked a little bit about um, politics uh, in the ancient world here at at Bethel these last few weeks. But if you know anything, you know that the Roman centurions, uh, they're they're the bad guys. Um, They belong to an empire that has got its boot on the the neck of the Jewish people. Um, If you were a Jewish person that day and you saw a Roman centurion, not only did you walk to the other side of the road, you turned right around and went back home. Uh, because interacting with them never, ever led to good places. And so the chapter starts with a man named Cornelius, a Roman centurion. And it says that he and his family were devout and God-fearing, which is surprising because Romans are, are bad. But, but somehow, somehow he's, he's God-fearing. And so uh, Acts puts out this person. There's, there's Cornelius, the Roman, and Peter, uh, Peter, the Jewish Christian. Uh, so the evil enemy on one side. Even if he's maybe a good version of the evil enemy, he still belongs to that group. And, and Peter, uh, who's supposed to be separate and chosen. And so here's what happens. Uh, and we're just going to go through this whole story in the chapter. And I encourage you to, to read it yourself. Um, but it starts with Cornelius, the bad Roman, uh, meeting a, an angel. And the angel says, Cornelius, send somebody to get Peter. And Cornelius trusts God. We don't know why. We don't know why he's a God-fear. We know that he does. And so he does, he follows the instruction. He says, okay, he sends some, he actually sends a, one of his regiment, he sends a soldier to go get Peter. Now, before, before we get there, imagine you're Peter, you're a Jewish person, Roman centurions have been uh, keeping their boot firmly planted on your neck your whole life. And all of a sudden, imagine what happens when a soldier shows up to your house and says, hey, come with me uh, to see the the centurion. Centurion's a, a military commander. You know, he commands lots of Roman troops. Um, you know, if you're Peter, you're you're pretty scared. Maybe you run away. Maybe you say no, or, or you're you know you come in, in duress. Um, but but God does something else because God's at work in this whole situation, right? He's already talked to Cornelius. He kind of kind of does, does, the parent trap, right? Now he goes and talks to Peter, um, and so here's what happens, right? The angel appears, or uh, Peter has this vision, and in the vision, God lowers this this sheet of food, and and this sheet is full of all the kind of stuff that Peter his whole life was told uh, he's not supposed to eat. Not only because it's bad for you or um, you know, smells bad or, or maybe it's gonna give you heart disease or something. No, like for Peter, he's been told his whole life that these animals are unclean. And if he wants to have a relationship with God, he better stay as far away from those animals as possible. And so now here God lowers this sheet full of animals, and Peter is so sure that he knows what the Bible says. It says, don't eat, uh, don't eat pork. You know, that's what we talk about mostly for kosher things, but it's birds and reptiles and all this stuff that, that Peter's not supposed to eat. Peter knows the law so well that when God says in a vision, go ahead, Peter, eat, eat the bacon, Peter says, uh-uh. Uh-uh, I have never eaten anything that's unclean. Never uh, have I eaten anything that's unclean. And, and God surprises him. He says, uh, Peter, don't call unclean what I have called clean. And, and I love that this. Uh, Molly read it, right? God does this three times because what he's doing is so surprising, so different, so mind breaking for Peter that he's got to repeat it three times so that Peter knows he can really trust him. And so Peter, Peter does. He believes it. The soldiers show up at his door and say, hey, Cornelius wants to talk to you. And Peter says, well, it's, it's a good thing uh, that I, I just had a vision, you know, because he says this, check this out in uh, 28. He says to them, you know, outside the house, he says, you are well aware that it is against our law uh, for a Jew to associate with or visit a Gentile. You are well aware that I am not supposed to talk to any of you. If I meet you on the street, I'm supposed to walk the other way. I'm not supposed to to eat with you. I'm not supposed to go to your house. he says this, but God has shown me that I should not call anyone impure or unclean. He says, "Uh, you know, and I know what the rules are. But God showed up and said something different. And because Peter follows the voice of the Holy Spirit, because he follows God, he listens. And he says, okay, I'll, I'll go I'll go with you and he says when i was sent for i came without objection so peter actually goes to cornelius's house and eats with him uh this is beyond the pale uh this doesn't happen you're not supposed to do that uh but he does he goes there he preaches the good news and cornelius uh is is baptized and the holy spirit comes on them and that's acts way of saying god approves you know it gets a big stamp of approval from god um and so what I want to do, um, that that's the story. I just want to notice uh, three things that are going on here because I think they're, they're super, super important. Um, and I've got them, got them right here on this. Um, first of all, uh, I don't know if you notice this. You know, this is a story about somebody coming to Christ, so getting to know Jesus. Um, if you notice, it, none of it is dependent on Peter's skill, uh, direction, or initiative, right? Um, when Peter meets Cornelius, God has already done the work. Uh, God has already done the work. That's right. God speaks to Peter in threes. God has already done the work in Cornelius. Uh, Peter isn't, he doesn't go to Cornelius' house to try and make something happen. All he does uh, is not resist God. Um, All Peter has to do is not stop what God's trying to do. God has moved every piece into the right place. He prepares Cornelius. He prepares Peter. He prepares everybody so that everything works perfectly. And, And this reminds me, that God is at work, and it should remind us, that God is at work in the lives of others um, before anybody else shows up. So if there's somebody that you're praying for that doesn't, doesn't, uh, doesn't know Christ, and you're thinking, what can I do? What can I do to change them? What can I do to convince them? Remember that God is already working, and he's been working long before you ever got there, and he'll be working long after you ever leave. And maybe he'll use you in that, but the best thing that we can do is make sure we're listening and and stay out of the way. So that's the first one. God does the work. The second one uh, is this. God is expanding the circle like we talked about. You know, Jesus started with tax collectors and sinners and reminded them that those Jewish people could be called to God. And in Acts, it shows how God has broadened that out to include all people. You know, what does he say to Peter? What God has called clean, don't you call unclean. He does something totally new in this passage. He, He redraws the circle. Acts 10 is all about how the person you least expect. The person you least expect that could possibly receive Christ uh, is, is clean and can. Um, the reason I keep motioning over here, um, somebody gave me this cool thing a while ago. This is our, our centurion helmet. The, the least person you would expect. The people that wear this are your enemies. They hate you. There's no reason Peter would have ever gone to their house were God not at work. This tells us, and it reminds me, that the person or the kind of person that you think is furthest from God may be a whole lot closer than you think. God redraws the circle. And finally, um, notice um, how God wants Peter to share the gospel uh, with Cornelius. Um, notice what happens because there are a lot of different ways that that God could have done this there are a lot of different ways the story could have uh, played out Cornelius could have come to Peter's house and sat outside while Peter taught Uh, Cornelius could have overheard Peter teaching some other time and come to Christ but instead what God does is he sends Peter into Cornelius's house he sends Peter into this guy's house Actually, the guy that commands a bunch of these guys with swords, right? And he says, you go there. God could have sent Cornelius to Peter, but he didn't. Peter could have uh, made Cornelius a kosher meal and, and had Cornelius over and then left. But, but no, uh, he didn't come to Peter. And so the question is, why doesn't God do that? Why doesn't God avoid this whole food issue And do something different. Why does God ask Peter to go eat what he's not supposed to eat? Um, I think that's because God wants to do something far greater than just change one life. He wants to redraw that circle. Instead, he asks Peter to do something far crazier, far more difficult. He sends Peter to Cornelius' house, and it goes against everything Peter believes and has been taught his whole life. He calls Peter to be the one to cross the boundary. Um... I think for us, we are called as Christians, as people that believe Jesus rose from the dead, uh, we are called to cross the uncomfortable boundaries. We'd all much rather people come to us. Oh, I'll invite them to church and then maybe they'll come to church and, and hear about Jesus there. Or, or, oh, maybe if we have this, this big event at our building, people will come into the church and they'll encounter Jesus there. What can we do? Right? We're always talking about this. and As a pastor, I think about this, right? What can we do to get people to come to us? Well, maybe God is calling us to be the people that go into uncomfortable situations. Um, if you know Christ, that person, whoever's on your mind right now, whether it's somebody you, you like and you agree with, or, or maybe God's putting someone on your heart that you can't stand. And the idea of going into their house and eating their food Maybe they belong to a group. They, they believe different things than you. They vote differently than you, whatever. If you've given your life over to God, it is on you to have patience with the people that God is calling you uh, to share the gospel with. It's on you to draw near to them, not to wait for them to come near to you. It's on us to pray for people, to go and listen to people, and to eat across the boundaries as God calls. Um, God uh, sends us because hope people eat and experience with others. Hope people bear the discomfort of drawing close to others, and we do it across lines. Um, I am have been become very aware uh, lately these these last weeks that um, while we are doing physical distancing from each other, um, I believe that the evil one is trying to widen and expand our relational distance with other people. Um, I think one of the best ways this happens, one of the most common ways I'm seeing this happen in my own feelings, in my own relationships, in my own life, is um, we're getting kind of hit with these these false choices. And if you spend any time engaging with anything, uh, talking to people, you're starting to notice people talking a different way about everything that's happening. You know, you know, you're, you're given this choice, you know, either you want people to die or you're a fascist that hates freedom, right? That's a false choice, right? Um, either you're uh, cold hearted to people who are losing their jobs in the middle of this, or you're cold hearted to, um, vulnerable people either. You're, you know, you're like, um, a conspiracy nut, or you're a sheeple, right? And and people keep telling us it's one or the other. Either you're with them or you're with us, and you better not mix with anybody else on the other side. It's it's better to convince, right? I think we get tricked into believing that false choices like that are the only option, and we get tricked into this with with everything that we do. You know, either you're with me or you're beyond hope. But the truth is, um, we don't have to pick. Um, uh, pick one. We don't have to condemn uh, the other side as some kind of heartless monster. Uh, the truth is that in our divided world, uh, we have a, a memory of a different divided world. In, this, in the scripture, we, we see a different one. You know, Peter and most of the apostles and most Jewish people heard of Gentiles, especially soldiers like Cornelius, and they said those people are hopeless Jesus has nothing for them. Maybe God will save us, but they're destined for fire. That's what what Peter probably thought in that moment. Either you're one of us or you're beyond hope. But God stepped in to that uh, boundary line, to that false choice, and he said, No. He said, "Don't you dare call unclean what I have called clean." Christ is here for everyone. Cross those boundaries. And so when we catch ourselves writing off somebody, and saying, uh, that person, I don't know, goes to that place. I don't think, I don't think they could ever, uh, ever get to know Jesus." Or, oh, that person, uh, you know, campaigns for that candidate. I don't think there's any hope for them. Or that person watches that news network. There's no hope for any of them. Or that person wears a mask or doesn't wear a mask. There's no hope for anyone. They belong over there and we belong over here with the good, right people. We start to think that God is not for them. That God doesn't care about them. That he cares about us. Only the good people like me. And, and if, when you catch yourself doing that, When you catch yourself othering those other people, remember God's words to Peter. Do not call unclean what I have called clean. Does it mean you shouldn't have an opinion? Does it mean that you shouldn't care, you shouldn't think about this, or you shouldn't pray for different things to happen or even advocate? No. No, of course not. But it does mean you can't throw those people away. Humans are always busy forming camps, choosing sides, and demonizing others. Read some history and you'll find it. Uh, For as long as human beings have been on earth, we've been forming camps, choosing sides, and demonizing others. But Jesus and his people, hope people, are always found eating across those lines and breaking those barriers. In the early church, you had people that never associated with each other eating together. You had people that never listened to each other listening to each other. You had people going across lines that had never been crossed because what God had done changed the world so much that they couldn't help it. Do not call unclean what I have called clean. My friends, God is at work in all kinds of people. No one is too far gone. And so, if we're going to be people of hope, we can't do it on our turf, we can't do it in our comfort zones. We can't do it just with the people that we agree with or that we like. And we can't do it while in control of the situation. We are called to be the ones looking for God at work in other people's lives. We are called to be the ones believing that God can change anyone. And we must be the ones going and eating and experiencing across the lines that divide us. Because the pressure is in the opposite direction. Um, One way, uh, yeah, so, uh, you know, and I don't know what God's God's saying to you right now. I don't know what you're hearing. I don't know if there's somebody on your mind uh, that you're thinking about. I don't know if maybe you're thinking, I've never felt like I belonged enough to become uh, a disciple of Jesus. Maybe God is working on you right now in the middle of this crisis. Maybe as your world shakes, you're starting to notice that the places you've built your foundation on aren't solid anymore. Maybe as your world shakes, you're starting to notice that you do write people off. Um, And so, whatever is going on in you, I want to invite you uh, to take a step of faith. Um, You know, maybe you're like Cornelius and and God is inviting you to put your faith in Christ for the first time. You've never thought you could, you never felt good enough or whatever, or whatever has stopped you. Maybe God is calling you, He's working on you. His Spirit is calling you uh, to put your faith in Christ for the first time. Maybe you're like Peter. And God has put somebody on your mind right now that you've written off and he's inviting you to take some kind of step towards welcoming someone you never imagined you could welcome or go to. Maybe God is calling you to rededicate your life uh, in this season to trusting in Christ. But whoever you are, I want to invite you uh, just briefly for a moment right here to pray with me where, wherever you're at. And when, when we're done, if, if God is calling you to make a step, to take a step, I encourage you to, to get in touch with me. Uh, send us a message on Facebook or um, give us a call. Send us a text message. Even write in the comments, like, uh, "Hey, give me a call, Pastor Todd." Wh- whatever it is, that that would be great. Uh, because if God is encouraging you to take a next step in your life, I want to be there to support you. And what I'd like to do is is invite you uh, to pray to pray with me. Um, Lord God, I can't fix my sin. I can't fix my prejudices. I can't fix that part of me that drives me away for others, that makes me want to write people off. I can't fix my sin, God. But your son died for my sin. And he rose again to defeat death. So, Lord, I put my trust in that. in the promise of the resurrection for all who put their hope in Christ. Lord, by your Holy Spirit, make me new and help me to follow you in faith from now on, trusting in a hope that is more solid than anything. In your name, amen. If you prayed that today, um, if you accepted the hope that God wants to plant in you today, in all of us today, you can trust that God is holding on to your life And that no matter how much the world shakes, uh, God is holding you solid and he's making you into a person of hope. That's your gift, but it's also a calling. So I encourage you, talk to me, write write something in the comments, send a message. I'd love to talk to you more about what God is doing and pray with you Uh, because we are called uh, to receive hope and spread it. And So all that's left uh, for all of this uh, is is to do it. Um, you know, as we talk about eating together, (laughs) as we talk about experiencing together, as we talk about going to other people's houses, um, maybe there's a part of you that's saying, okay, thanks, Pastor Todd. That's great. But obviously I can't do that. You know, like I get it. Like I know, I know, I know, I know all the things that we can't do. I know all the, all the restrictions, all the things that we're supposed to avoid or, or whatever, but, but let's be honest. Um, and this is just as, as one Christian in the church raising my hand. Uh, Let's be honest, uh, before all this happened, if I had preached a year ago about going to somebody else's house and eating with them, uh, I would have had a laundry list of reasons why I couldn't do it. Uh, We all have reasons why we can't. uh, Can't go out, can't take the time, can't draw near to somebody, there's simply no room in our lives and now where maybe there's no room in our lives, there's um, more restrictions Um, So the question I have for all of us and the challenge I have for myself and you is to find a way to be creative around this right now. How can you draw near to somebody without drawing near to somebody? Uh, Maybe it's buying them them takeout or giving them a gift card or giving them a call. Uh, Maybe there's a way you can share an activity with somebody uh, that you know, that doesn't get you, get you into trouble. Um, Maybe you can talk about a a shared hobby, a socially distant hello. I don't know what it is, but I believe God is calling us to eat and experience with people that are outside of our comfort zones. And so, so one thing is think about one way that you can be doing this right now. Who is it that God has put on your heart that you need to talk to that maybe you'd written off in the past? Maybe you just need to give him a call. I don't know. Uh, Be praying, be thinking about what you can do now. And I I will too. Uh, And then two, uh, make a plan. How are you going to make being in, uh, uh, eating across boundaries, uh, experiencing across boundaries, reaching out to people that you don't always see eye to eye with, how are you going to make that a priority when things do change? When things do get back to normal? Maybe a, it's an it's a outdoor, you know, you're going to have a fire and, and you want to invite your friends over or you want to go over to, to your neighbor's house and, and hang out. Maybe uh, you know, you're going you're gonna to eat together outdoors, well, whatever it is. Make a plan for what you are going to do when you can. Um, Because uh, the question that should be on all our minds right now is who is God asking us to go towards? Um, And who is it that we're feeling pulled away from? Because in times like these, when we're we're starting, the the discourse is getting hot, we're getting frustrated, we need to hear it, right? Don't you dare call unclean what I have called clean. God is at work in the lives of your friends, your family, your relatives, and even your enemies. He's at work. And he wants us to be involved and to not get in the way. So listen. And may we all uh, all take that challenge. Thanks for listening to our podcast. You can find out more about us and join our live streams at facebook.com slash Bethel Covenant Church. Thanks and have a great week.